Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, those images are haunting, aren't they? Uh, It's unusual for us to see our city streets so empty. And I think in a strange kind of way, it represents what's actually happening in the minds, in the hearts and the lives of people within our city. Not just that they're not out on the streets, but this senseless kind of time of waiting that is happening breeds this hopelessness and uncertainty of the future. And I don't know if you've been following what's been happening uh, in and across some of the the statistics that are going on, but I I just learned as recently as today that uh, the calls to mental health uh, help centres like Beyond Blue are up by 40% at the moment. People are really struggling with this uncertainty of their future the hopelessness that they have in their current situations. And I just can't help but think, what a fantastic time for the church to be heard. What a fantastic time for the name of Jesus to be heralded and his love to be seen in and not only amongst his people, but then demonstrated and declared this love that would go forth into our city and beyond, bringing hope answering those questions that people have of the uncertainty of the future, that yes, we're, we're all in a state of uncertainty, but we can have hope in the name of Jesus. Today marks an exciting start to a brand new series called Compelled by Love that we start today and will be with us for the next six weeks. And we're really excited about this series right across our church because everyone's jumping on board. Our kids ministry, the upper age groups of that, our youth ministry, our young adult community, and indeed the whole church, everyone, all our life groups are engaging and being involved in this uh, series called Compelled by Love. We've put together 30 daily devotions to help you step through this time together. We have uh, put together a praise and prayer journal to help you record what God does in our lives as a church through this period. Uh, We have uh, life group studies for six weeks. And so we're going to journey over this next six weeks together, looking how God has, has compelled us by the experience of His love in our own lives to go now and share that with other people. And we really want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, whether this is your first time joining us uh, or whether that you've recently joined River Life online or perhaps it is that you're, you're already connected really well, we want everyone to engage in this series. So the one-stop shop for you to go to to be able to know how everything rolls through this season is River Life Church. .org.au, and there you'll find a link through to Compelled by Love. And uh, just go through there and all the resources, all the daily devotions or how to sign up to receive them and your email are there. All our life group studies are on there. Some extra resources that will help you through this time are all listed up on there. And if you're yet to be in a life group and you'd like to be part of one for this series, uh, we'd love you to also register your interest there so that we might be 
able to help you join a life group, get engaged in a community of other people uh, through uh, you know, an online community where we could explore this topic together over the next six weeks. We're really excited about it. Uh, we think it's just gonna be wonderful for us as a church because we've been so blessed by God. We've been so blessed by after seeking his presence and, and as a family together, understanding that he's heard and answered our prayers and we've indeed been transformed and changed by his presence and we now get to be able to show and tell of this great love that we've experienced in our lives with others. And that's really what Compelled by Love is all about. We want you to spend some time during this series equipping yourselves, being encouraged. So you might share the love of Jesus naturally in your daily life with the people that we know now and the people who we're yet to meet. You see, I believe that, that once you've experienced the life transforming love of God at work in your own life, when we've been so captured by an experience of his love, we found freedom in Jesus. We can't help but wanna tell everyone about it. We're compelled by love. And sharing the good news of Jesus should be natural out of the overflow of this experience. But sometimes I know we get stuck. We get stuck in fear. We can get stuck in self-doubt or even stuck in self-reliance. And unfortunately, the church as a whole can get stuck in a complacency of treating our, our faith more as a, an opportunity just to gather together, to, to come together and to be in community with one another, kind of almost like a club. There's an old legend about a, a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks frequently occurred and, and, and on this dangerous sea coast, there was this one tiny little life-saving station. It was, it was crude. It was no more than really one boat and a, a small little hut. But those few members were, were, were devoted to constantly keeping watch over the coastline and, and without any regard to their own safety, going out and rescuing those shipwrecked people who, who needed to be brought to safety. And day and night, they would go out searching for the lost. And some of those who were saved and some other people in the local area started to, to see what was being done and liked the idea of what was happening. And they too would start to join in. Some of those who'd been rescued started to now become rescuers Others within the local community started to put money in and slowly the life-saving uh, grew in number, the number of people engaged in that as also the number of boats that, that went along with it. Now, some of these new members of the, the life-saving station, they were a little bit unhappy that it was such a crude affair, that there was just this small hut. Like, they, they really thought that when these people are, are brought out of, of their hopeless situation and rescued from the waters, and, uh, they should be brought back into a, a nicer place. And so uh, they started to replace the emergency cots with some beds and better furniture, and they started to enlarge the building. And now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place, a place where now lots of people wanted to come to, to, to hang out together. So they started to beautifully decorate it with you know, exquisite furniture. And, and, and because they, they used this as a meeting place, they wanted it to be comfortable for all who were there. 
And as it grew, fewer members were actually interested in going out and, and on life-saving missions out into the water. And so they started to hire lifeboat crews to go and do the work of rescuing. The life-saving motive still prevailed in this club's decoration. And there was a memorial lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held and people gathered. And about this time, a, a large ship was wrecked off the coast and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold and wet and half-drowned people and, and they were dirty and sick and some of them were even foreigners. And the beautiful new club was all of a sudden thrown into chaos. Immediately the propping committee got together and someone rigged up an outside shower outside of the club where the victims of the shipwrecks could be cleaned up before they came inside. And the next morning there was a split in the club membership. There was a lot of people who wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because they felt it was unpleasant. It was, a, it was a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. And there was a, a few in minority that were just deeply passionate about the primary purpose of the life-saving station, how it had originally been designed. And that was to go out and to rescue those in need, those who were lost, those who were dying and be brought into safety. And the small group members voted down, uh, you know, that, that whole idea and, and that, about saving lives. And they just began to own their own life-saving station and a new one started down the coast and they started all over again. And you see, the, the major challenge for every church, and River Life's no exception, is that we don't become like a life-saving club in that we become so focused on our own comfort that we forget our original purpose. Jesus talks to us in some of his last moments in Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, a familiar passage often coined as the Great Commission. And it's in this passage that, that Jesus talks about our purpose the purpose of every church, the original purpose of the church that he was establishing in and through his followers. And in verse 18, it says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You see, God's greatest hope lies in our hands. That is that we would fulfill this great order to go and make disciples. Christ's desire is that we would be so in love with God, so bound in one purpose and in unity together that the world might know about Him. God's greatest hope lies with us. You see, disciple-making involves teaching those who follow Christ to obey His commands. Here's a few of the commands that Jesus gave to His followers. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, it says that we're called to give away freely what we have received. It says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. In Mark chapter 12, verses 30 to 31, 
Jesus says, love the Lord your God with everything in whom you are and everything at your disposal. And then love others as you love yourself. In John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus again says, I have a new command for you and this is it, to love one another as I have loved you. These are just some of the things that God commands us as, as going forth and making disciples. Imagine the radical difference that we would make if we we're truly serious about God's charge. That people really would not only see a difference in us because of our love for one another, but that we would provide such a great solution to the, the pain and the guilt and the struggle they are going through in life and to provide for them the remedy of being separated forever from God by living out an eternity in hell. Friends, family, schoolmates, co-workers, teammates, all coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because we took his last command seriously enough to make it our first priority. You see, the bottom line is that lost people matter to God and they should matter to us. For God so loved the world. You see, God was compelled by his love for us to send his son Jesus. And we should be compelled by the love we have experienced and take it out to our front line. Now, if you've been around River Life any longer than you know, a, a few months, then you would realise that frontline is a term we've been using long before coronavirus hit us and we've been talking about workers on the front line. We've used this term of frontline to de describe the, the places where we regularly meet with people who don't know Jesus the places where we invest our time and our energy, our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, social media, uh, often amongst friends and family. These are our front lines. And unfortunately, within the church community, there's often a divide between what we believe is sacred and what we believe is secular. It's the sort of stuff that we place a higher priority on, believing that God thinks differently about some things than other things that we do with our time and our energy. We say things like, uh, I'm going on mission, rather than recognising our life in Christ is already in mission. There's a guy called Mark Green, he's from the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. And he notes that the sacred secular divide thinking to be this, he says, the per uh, pervasive belief that some parts of our life are not really important to God. Our work, perhaps our school, our, our leisure, but anything to do with prayer, church services, church-based activities, that's what really matters to God. And that's actually not true. The Bible describes something completely different. It describes a, a vision where everything in all of creation is being reconciled to Christ. Everything is coming into alignment with His kingdom. Our work, our, our relationships, our values we hold, the financial systems of this world, stewardship of this planet, it all really matters. God wants every area of our life. God who sent His Son, who is now sending us out as salt and light, compelled by the experience of God's love, working its way out and through us onto our front lines. 
I don't know if you've stopped to, to think about the current season that, uh, of this enforced isolation. God knew it was all coming. Nothing at the moment has taken him by surprise at all. And I kind of have a little bit of a chuckle because, you know, for us, we had this vision this year of, of releasing people. And it was the word that I preached on way back in January at the end of that. And we talked about this whole idea of being released, a people being released. And it kind of was a little bit amusing to me that, well, here we all are doing church at home, online, in your lounge room right now. The church has left the building. And all of a sudden, our vision for God's mission has been reframed and it's for the better. You see, the main aim of God's mission isn't to get people to come here to an auditorium for a Sunday service to raise their hand for Jesus, feel good about it, and then go home. God sends His people out there right where you are right now. So to extend this healing, peace and love and mercy, the values and the things that represent His kingdom to all aspects of life. Whether we like it or not, we've been released. God knew something was coming and He's made the most of it for the extension of His kingdom. Now it's our turn to join Him in what He's already doing. You see, our God is a good news God. Right from the beginning, God wanted to be in relationship with those in whom He created and provide for us a purpose for living. Right back in the, the beginning of the, the Bible, right back in Genesis chapter one, we, we read these words in verses 26 through to 28. And it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, our original commission involves tending and looking after all that God made for our benefit. He made it out of love for us, His people, to enjoy. Motivated out of his love for this world. And we're supposed to be God's representatives that allows uh, life to flourish in every area of our lives, on our front lines. We know there's another part to this story as well. You only have to read a little bit further on in that same part of Genesis to, to find out what happens. And, and humankind, by, by sinning, by wanting to be like God, by wanting to determine right from wrong ourselves and, and put ourselves in the position of God and, and, and we become separated from Him and from one another. And his initial plan for us to be fruitful and blessed in relationship with him and one another starts to come apart and, and caring for creation becomes difficult. But God knew right from the start that he still wanted to bless his people. 
He knew right from the start that the best way to live was under his protection that came from his blessing. And this is a part of the good news of being made in his image, living in his purposes as we are designed to be. The complementary part of this good news is that it comes with the blessings of God's kingdom. It comes with salvation, it comes with healing, it comes with purpose and peace and freedom. You see, in God's great plan to demonstrate his love to the world that he created, He designed it so that every Christian would be like a a giant neon sign that displays the evidence of being in relationship with him. How exciting that God wants to bless you. When was the last time you stopped and realized that the hand of God's blessing, if you're one of his children, is upon you? But don't stop there. That would only be half of the story. You see, in Genesis chapter 12, God shows his unfolding plan to choose for himself a a people as a means of demonstrating to the world that he wants to restore us back into relationship with himself. And God was talking to Abraham about uh, this people who, who would be his descendants in whom he would bless. And it says this in Genesis chapter 12, it says in verses two and three, I will make you into a great nation, he says to Abraham, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God chose Abraham and his descendants, the people of Israel, as a means that all people of the world would be blessed through them. This was part of God's plan, God's purpose, and it's now God's purpose for us as Christians. Paul writes about it like this in in Galatians. It says, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles, that's you and I, right from his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. We, as followers of Jesus, are blessed, just like Abraham, just like Israel, not for our own sake, but in order that we might bring a blessing to the whole world. The aim of God's blessing is not that we would hoard it, not that we would selfishly hang on to this blessing, but instead that we would share the blessing with others, that, that, that we would be able to be compelled by the love of experience God's blessing in our own lives to wanna share that with others so that all would come to know God, who is desperately longing for all to come into a saving relationship with Him. God blesses us so everyone would know about him. It's often been said that we are blessed to be a blessing. The heart of God is that all people would know him, that all would call on his name to be saved. He truly is a missional God, and this really is good news. And Jesus makes this good news possible that we can come under God's blessing and be a part of his kingdom 
just like he designed it to be right back in the beginning of the, the, the first commission given to, to the people that he made right back in, in Genesis chapter one, at the beginning of creation. And the remarkable opportunity is that being a part of the kingdom of God is now available through Jesus to everyone. God's reign, God's power, God's presence, God's provision are now available to all who want to have Jesus' life lived through them. The entry point into the kingdom of God comes through us repenting, reviewing our plans for living and changing them in, in our plans to be God's plans and believing by placing our trust in God who has the capacity to deliver what he promises. And this, of course, is only through Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection made a way for this to be true in each of our lives. And this is good news. This is the gospel, that we can be a part of God's kingdom by being saved and having our sins forgiven through this death and resurrection of Jesus and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And when we receive a life of abundance, a new life, a life with purpose and meaning and a life both now and forever in his kingdom, that great truth, is that Jesus' death on the cross and a raising from the dead was just one part of the wider mission of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And that's what we are experiencing now in part and one day in full when he returns. And this is the good news. This is the gospel. The very heart of God is that people who were created by him and in whom he loves would be welcomed into his kingdom. Place him as king and enjoy the benefits of living under his reign. He always intended that if we experience this for ourselves that we would now represent this kingdom, we would be kingdom bringers. We would be compelled by love to share it with other people. I wonder how many of us have actually thought about how similar the, uh, the original commission that I read out in Genesis chapter one is with the, the great commission that I read out of Jesus right back in Matthew chapter 28. See, both commissions have a sense of going into the world, of multiplying, of growing and being fruitful to extend the kingdom of God. In Genesis, God initiates the call of our lives, commissioned as a vision of meaning and purpose towards how we're here to live. And Jesus makes a way for a restored humanity to fulfill that original commission through himself. Let me remind you of what it says in Matthew 28, this, where Jesus says to his disciples just before his ascension into heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Let me highlight just three things about that passage. The first is this, go. Go out into the dark places of the world, announcing the good news the good news that God's kingdom is now here. Jesus said and described it that we were to be like salt and light. 
in a world that's wrestling with decay and darkness. The salt and light permeate and have an impact on whatever they touch. The identical characteristics of salt and light are both that they are, they are penetrating and they're both purifying and powerful. They transform their very presence in the same way we're called to engage the world around us. And it all comes down to being ready to share the hope that we have in, in Jesus and, and being ready to love with Christ's love and with the power of the Holy Spirit at work through us everywhere, every day, every moment with anyone. And any way you wanna look at it, our role in the earth and in the community and, and as the church is not that we would exist comfortably with sin and the world as it is, fearful of any confrontation or contradiction, but as salt and light to penetrate, to saturate, to make a difference. Go. The second thing is this in this passage which stands out to me and is the word baptizing. Baptizing people is a sign that the, the broken old life has died and a new humanity in Christ has been born again. The original call to extend God's blessing and fruitfulness is peace moving forward now. And the last one is I am with you. And in these uncertain times, these times of isolation where many will be feeling desperately lonely and disconnected, this promise of this passage, I am with you. Holy Spirit's empowering presence at work on our front lines in our own lives and God will help us faithfully follow Him until His kingdom comes in its fullness. You see, those who wanna be a part of the kingdom of heaven are to promote that kingdom here on earth now. A kingdom of peace, of righteousness, a kingdom of humility and joy that these things would invade our earth. Jesus taught us as his followers to pray to that end in Matthew chapter six. And this is what Jesus devoted his life to. When you read through the gospel accounts and you look at the life of Christ, you see someone who lives under the reign of a different kingdom than the one of this world. I can't help but think that people all over the world right now, right for a time such as this, are desperately crying out with the uncertainty in their hearts and minds about what the future is to know, is there something worth living for? And we as the church, compelled by the love and the blessing we've experienced of being part of this kingdom, now go as kingdom bringers, now go out, compelled by this love to be able to share this wonderfully good news of this good news God with others. Are you compelled by His love? Do you live in such a way that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, declaring and demonstrating the love of God everywhere you go to bear witness to this good news? People could see in Jesus, God's will being done here on earth as it was in heaven. And so could experience the kingdom of God drawing near. And they should see the same thing in us, empowered by His Spirit and as His followers. As we come near to them, so does the kingdom of God come near to them. 
I like the fact that Jesus assembled this group of followers and in his authority, he commissions them to be these kingdom bringers who after his ascension to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit to fall on them, to reside in them and they become the church. The start of what we now live out. You see, the church is not a building. The church is what we have been made in Christ. We are the called out ones, the redeemed, the cleansed, the holy ones, the blessed ones. We are the dwelling place of God. That's the church, the habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. We are the sent ones, the light and the salt of the world. We're not here to try to exist quietly without being noticed living in the, the midst of a hostile world just waiting for the trumpet sound to rescue us and to take us out of this place. This is not why we're here. We're here to turn the world upside down or right way up really. To leave the mark that cannot be erased. You are a beachhead of the kingdom of God wherever you go. You proclaim this good news of this good news God. The kingdom of God is breaking in through the earth. Heaven is coming to earth. This movement cannot be stopped and never will be stopped. Jesus said that not even the, the gates of hell are gonna prevail against it. It's not a dominion by force. It's not anything other than a movement of God's love. It's not fanciful triumphalism either. It's the very fulfillment of Jesus's prophetic words and his mission. And you can be an integral part of this awesome movement if you wanna be. We are a people who should be compelled by love. His love in order to love others. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God. Wow, the fact that you would send your son as all a part of this wonderful plan that you commissioned from the very beginning of creation that we would live under the blessing of being a part of your kingdom and placing you as our king. You thought about choosing a people in whom you could bless the rest of the world through. And now we are crafted in, grafted in to this, this wonderful family of God through the saving works of Jesus on the cross for us. And now through the power of His resurrection work at life in and through us by His Holy Spirit, we get to be these, these bearers of this good news. We get to display, we get to show and tell, we get to declare and talk about this good news that we live under and live in. The good news of this gospel of a good news God experiencing your love and loving others with it. And so God, I would pray that right now in every lounge room, in every dining room, on every device, that now Holy Spirit, you would just invade the atmosphere of those who are watching and come and light a fire that would not be extinguished, God, a fire in every heart of every follower that they would return, Lord God, not uh, we would return out of the, the comfortability of our, uh, what we have been in so that we might be released, Lord God, compelled by the experience of 
having and knowing your love in our lives to go and declare it and demonstrate it and show it and tell it to everyone around us. Light a fire, Lord God, that would not be extinguished, that in this season that to the rest of the world seems like hopelessness, raise up a hope in your people that now we have an answer to the questions that people are asking. And it's in you, Jesus, we place our hope and our trust. And we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.